Hello and welcome to episode 8 or 22 uh, in total of the uh, Talking Toro podcast. I'm here as always with my co-host Peter Bourne and this is uh, the first uh, podcast after our inevitable 1-0 defeat with a late goal against Juventus uh, from last Saturday. Peter, your thoughts? Who was a more and who predicted a Torino victory? I mean, some man experience and who's lived many of his derbies really should have known better. But yeah, I guess I, I guess I got um, caught in the tidal wave of um, Maccabi Haifa and, and Juve's bad form. Forget Torino always bottled the derby under Cairo. Um, it was, I thought it was, I'm glad it, I'm always, I'm glad we didn't do a pod in the immediate aftermath. Um, it was, it was a pitiful, pitiful match, a pitiful performance. Um, Torino derby defeats under Cairo have just become quite formulaic. There's either the, the, the kind of hammering when the, when the quality between the sides is, uh, is evident and Torino don't approach the game well. We've, that's happened a few times, a bit, a bit less recently. We've had a lot of heartbreak with the late goals, which we discussed last week. And then I remember last week we talked about a couple of 1-0 home derby defeats that were instantly forgettable. Um, and this will join that. We won't, in a couple of years' time, this will just blend into um, blend into the rest. But I'm sick and tired of these Torino performances against Juventus. I'm sick and tired of our record against the bigger clubs. I feel... I mean, I was 13, 14 years of age when Torino won the Coppa Italia and I probably thought that was going to be how things would be going forward. But at least in the process of now, but I feel really sorry for the Torino fans of myself included, this generation who've just had the hero and villains every week. We We talk lovingly about Moroni last week. We gave more in 90 minutes last week in our podcast than any Torino player did in the derby last weekend and where are the memories we're making there we're not making this um and on the Cairo, it's just a loser's mentality it is this kind of acceptance of of derby defeats um and i'm sure as a balanced reasonable person you'll go into some of the the kind of issues we may have had with the squad and with the team last week but i don't care wherever we find ourselves in the derby we we're always 10 percent short you know, we've played against Juventus teams who've won every home match for the season and go there and until the last minute are winning and get a draw. Um, and if we applied ourselves in that way uh, in the derby match on the last weekend, we, we would have won. But we it's just always coming 10, 15% short. Um, it was an awful game. Juve were pretty bad. Um, ultimately, they made the best of a set piece. The only thing good thing was the goal didn't come super late. Um, but the balloon popped with that goal. There's no way we we're going to get back into it after that. Um, and it's just, I'm tired. I, I've come to the point where I think I text you after I don't want to watch another derby on my own. Um, and if I don't watch the next one of you, I don't think, I think I may boycott, I certainly may boycott the next home derby. Because uh, I reckon you know, you know that would be the one that we so win. Uh, well, if it's the one we win, I'll be happy and I can go back and watch it. But I'm just sick of the predictability of that crap. That was useless. Absolutely. And I don't care. We won 4 0 in the Copper Italian in the week and everything's great again. It's not. That was crap. Um, and I'm sick of it. 
I, I think I might I might surprise you in that I'm probably not going to be as uh, balanced and um, rational as maybe I normally am. Uh, I, I, th- I think I agree with you. I think it's it was the frustration that everything had lined up to make sort of Juve beatable. Like it wasn't a it, you you looked at that team and you weren't sort of think you weren't thinking oh he's a player to watch out for and they're in dreadful form. You sort of got the the impression that the fans and the players both wanted the coach out. So you sort of felt in a way that this was their opportunity to sort of finally get this victory that uh, and Juric had built it up in the uh, in the build up to the game he sort of said that these, this group of players deserved a, a big victory against a big side and it's no bigger victory for Torino fans than, than a win in the derby I just yeah I just I just felt it, in order to win a game against it, again despite their struggles one of the sort of top four or five sides in Italy you need at least six or seven players to play above average and, and to play well Torino I don't think they had one or two who, who, would, who would go away from that game thinking that they'd, they'd had a good performance um, there just seemed to be no energy no effort no, no real effort or anything There's a couple of things that sort of put me off uh, just annoyed me in the aftermath of the game um, one was Juric I understand he's a very passionate individual and sort of maybe said things after the game that maybe didn't truly think feel and that was just his sort of initial thoughts of the game but it basically sort of suggesting that that Torino can't compete with like it almost suggesting that with it, when he was at Verona they were sort of very happy just to sort of bob along in, in 12th 13th place but Torino can't do that because the fans demand more but unless you um, put more finance in then that's not going to happen and just like fans don't want to hear these like probably true probably true sort of uh, analysis that that is probably correct but in the aftermath of a defeat and prior to a defeat you don't want to be hearing this you want to people go to the stadium to have sort of to dream and believe for 90 minutes on normal on a normal day Juventus would probably beat Torino nine times out of ten because of the difference in uh finance between the two squads but if you sort of already resigned yourself to, oh, well, this is a squad which is only sort of 12th, 13th, so we are expected to lose against Juventus, then what sort of message is that transferring yeah. to the players? That's been prevailed for 27 matches, so... Yeah. It's like you're expected to lose here, so obviously put a good effort in, but if you lose, it's not a big it's not a big problem. And and I just... That's obviously not what you said. I don't think that was the team talk, but it just didn't look like a... Didn't look like a side who believed they were going to win. Didn't look like a side who wanted that they want. It really wanted to win, which I think is probably the biggest, the biggest issue from my side. My side. I mean, we had a chance before Juve's goal with Moranchuk, which I mean, there's. It was even that. Even that annoyed me because it wasn't even. It was maybe a half chance, of a, re, a relatively good chance, but it didn't even look. Didn't even look that bothered that he missed it. Like it was almost like, oh, that could have gone in. Yeah, but, it's, I, I I agree with you, and also think well, people say, oh, Moran took missed a really good. It was kind of you said it was a half chance. It just shows how bad the match was that yeah. people were were dwelling on at the turning point in the game. And I think the elephant in the room is, I mean, we've talked about yeah the loser mentality and and the acceptance of of his poor performances, but. Um, Obviously, not having a centre forward was uh, was a big issue. Uh, we've 
much maligned Sanabria we did end up missing because we don't have an alternative. And why don't we have an alternative? Well, it's because Cairo, um, Vanyati and Juric between them uh, decided not to invest in the striker. But when, you, when you're in the derby and you've got three players who can't hold the ball up, um, can't play with their back to goal, um, and the three of them themselves weren't in particularly good good form, especially uh, Radonjic and Moranchuk, it was going to be a very difficult game. But it's, it's a consequence of, of, of Torino not, you know, always falling short again in the transfer market by the striker. In fact, we would, you know, lead on to a point you want to make, uh, I'm sure, but um, we've talked about these famous four positions filling. Well, actually in the derby, if we just filled one of them in the centre forward, we, we, we might have won because the big man in goal, and I don't want to put too much praise on, on any player after such a kind of performance, but the big man in goal didn't let us down in the derby. Yeah, exactly. Did, uh, except for except for his comments afterwards, maybe. Yeah, I may have, I may have been a bit harsh earlier when I said that nobody sort of performed sort of better than better than average because if you think of Milinkovic's average average performance being maybe a, a two or a three out of ten, then he managed to pull in a, a seven or an eight with it with a couple of good saves. I was again a bit harsh. There was the the treble save in treble save in the first half where I think two of them you would expect any even an outfield player to to have saved, but one was a decent save, and then there was. A good save from, I think it was the header, which ultimately led to the corner, which led to the goal. But yeah, I think after such a good performance, where I think even Torino fans are, in my experience, they're they're, they're fair. Like even if, and I think you and I would probably fit into that category. You you can criticise a player and I think hopefully we do it on this podcast maybe crossing the line slightly, but I think we're fair. If a player who we don't maybe, maybe don't like plays well, we we will admit that, and a player who do we like plays crap. We'll we'll admit that too. Um, and I think Avanya has received a lot of criticism from Torino fans, especially from us too. But he had a good performance, and he managed to spoil it all within about an hour of uh, the game with his comments about how um, it was nice to have an atmosphere uh, like that with the with the full Grande Torino, Sabio uh, Grande Torino, and it'd be nice if the stadium was like that every every weekend. I'd throw that same comment back at you, Vanya. It'd be really good if you could make competent saves every week, but sometimes you don't get what you want. And I just, I just don't understand the logic of where he's where he's coming from. Is it that he, he his his performance improves when there's more people in the stadium? Because I think there would have been quite a lot of people in Naples when when you sort of left a, a gap pretty pretty wide at your near post to allow uh, Anguissa to score so I just I, I just felt it was a little bit disappointing that he's he's come out after a decent performance and sort of spoiled it a little bit by saying just stupid comments which I'm sure all Torino fans would enjoy a uh, full stadium and um, the same atmosphere you're never going to get the same atmosphere as at Empoli at home as you're going to get Empoli at home on a Saturday after, uh, Sunday afternoon as you're going to get a derby on a Saturday evening but I think the players have got to take the responsibility. You've got to, you've got to do something on the pitch to get the fans sort of behind you and to get that sort of that sort of atmosphere. If we'd won three or four in a row coming into that derby, imagine what the imagine what the atmosphere would have been like. Um, I just thought it was a bit of a almost like because he played quite well and he had a bit of stick from the fans. He was trying to maybe sort of criticise them a yeah. little bit. I, I just don't understand the logic in it. Yeah, I'm also not, I haven't listened to the quotes, I just read them and I just wonder if it kind of just came out, it wasn't his intention to put it like that and it kind of maybe 
not say last lost in translation, but maybe lost in the language a little bit. Um, but it's been a bit of a loving for him recently. Juric has been like very gushing about his, well, his kind of what Juric sees as his improvement. I don't know if you saw the picture. Did you see? I, and I don't know if this was taken pre-Derby or post-Derby, but the, with, I think with, the seven Serbian players or the six Serbian players with the and, Serbian coach. Yeah, and and I did see a few sort of people on Twitter criticising it. Personally, and again, may, may just totally go away from uh, what I've just said, Slayton, uh and again, like you say, it's a good caveat. I've not, I've not heard the interview, and it's a good job I haven't heard the interview because I can't speak Italian. But he, if I, so I'd read the English translation of the comments, which didn't sound good. But again, it's important to have that caveat. You don't know the context of them; they could have been taken out of context, and maybe it's not as harsh as it seems. Um, in terms of the photo with the with the Serbian players from Juve, Serbian players from Torino, and the national team coach, I think it was taken after the game. I don't really have an issue with it, to be honest, because the, the I like ser- the comment that someone made that they should have booked. He should have had two. Book diff- he should have booked two different restaurants. He said <laughs> a meal with the Juve players and a meal with the Serino players. Uh, because, because if it was if it was just the if it was just the the Serbian players from each side, then yeah, ill advised. And if they post it on the social media, then it's a bit stupid. But I don't think it was posted on the social media, uh, at least from the, any of the Torino players. And your national team coach is there two months away or a month away from a World Cup. Um, he's not going to be making trips to Turin every week. Pro- I, I just I just felt sometimes people sort of forget that the, these are human beings and they've got other, as much as we hate to think, they have got other priorities which aren't uh, Torino. And obviously, as, as so I, I, I don't doubt that Dusan Vlajevic and Sasha Lukic meet up in Turin for a coffee. Maybe, well, maybe not in Turin. Maybe they go. Maybe they go somewhere else. But I'm sure they meet up as as Serbians living in the same town, the same city. I'm sure. I'm sure they meet up numerous times throughout the season. Um, the fact that the coach was there and they obviously went out to dinner all together, I'd no real issue with it. I, I think Edward, it's slightly different to the um, to the issue with. Uh, Segre and the and the Dybala top, I think that's uh, it's a similar issue, but I think the, the less um, less of an explanation for for Segre. Um, but yeah, I I wasn't uh, I wasn't massively I wasn't offended or anything when I saw the photo. Just you sort of no. I would have I would have thought it would have been strange if they not met it. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a logic to it, but I think there was just the other thing I noticed on in the derby. It was nice. Yeah, I don't know if it was a booking or bad tackle. I think there was. I think there were. I think there might have been two bookings. There's no needle. There was. There was just no. nothing there, and it's just sometimes if you're not playing well, you've got to bring a bit of a shithousery into it. You've got to kind of, you've got to turn it. No one really turned it into a derby. And we have. We have. And, and I suppose the surprise there is probably from Juventus side because they've got the Quadrados, they've got the Benucci's who came on, they got they got they got the Rabios. Um, Toro just a team of nice, nice guys, really, and that's the that's the problem. I think we've we've, we've sort of suggested this at points in the past, where even last season, it's just they just seem to be like nice lads. There's no sort of massive animosity, um, and you don't, you don't really have an enforcer. There's not much leadership. There's, there, yeah, it, it was just screaming out for in, in yesteryear. In a in a derby, just somebody just to put in a attack at nil nil when things weren't going well. It was a terrible game. 
like even a small thing yes we weren't we weren't sort of creating many chances or we weren't um having much luck in front of goal but it something something as simple as a, a tackle or or a clearance or something can really get the fans up and there just was no just no passion i tell you what i think the, the between the teams missing what's that elianco elianco i mean yeah i mean elianco Le- Le- would have um we would have lost the game much earlier than we than, than we ultimately did if Lanko had been playing. But... There, there were two two bookings in the whole game, both for Torino players, uh, Carol and Etty and uh, Lazaro in injury time. I don't even yeah. remember what Lazaro is. I don't, I don't remember either of those. I mean, the ga- that game, I won't. I never. Rem- I won't remember it. I've just it's it's gone now. But and maybe we should move on. But I've just got a few. Just talking about this loser. Losing mentality of Torino, there's a point I was going to make. So I know I often put you on the spot with these things, but I am going to put you on the spot. So the big three in Italy have won every Scudetto since 91 when Samp won it, apart from when Roma and Lazio uh, won it. And they, you know, Lazio, you know, they, they kind of crippled themselves financially in doing so, both of those clubs. But so against the big three, uh, Juve, like a lot of people have commented, one win in 27 under Cairo. But there's a pre-Cairo as well. So it's one win in 35 since we did the double. So that is shocking, right? And then the other two uh, other two members, Inter. Of the last 37 games against Inter, how many do you think we've won? So weirdly, we probably have got a better record against Inter. So is this, is this under Cairo's reign? No, so do, I, I've oh, kind of done these. I've done to... these from last time. I really count Torino as being a force, which was around nineteen ninety three. Okay. So since the Coppa Italia win, so into since the sort of Cairo reign and, and sort of since I've been a fan, I'd say our record against Inter is probably the best of the three. Um, but I think we may have had a bad record against them sort of prior to prior to sort of two thousand five two thousand six. Um, so out of thirty seven, I'll yeah. go for six wins. Four wins. Okay. And uh, the interesting thing... The worst thing is, I can remember three of them. Yeah, and the other one... Well, we had the two at the San Siro. Yeah. Um, I was at the other one. Itso scored 1-0. Itso scoring. And the other one... One with Light scoring, wasn't there? Under Mazzari as well. Ah. Uh, So... I think that was a really bad Inter team as well. Yeah. Well, I just think Inter have had some terrible teams in that Yeah. Milan also had some bad teams. 37 games, Milan, how many wins? I think it's actually going to be more than four, even though our records have recently been so bad against them. So I'll go for six. Three. Oh, wow. Okay. The other thing with Milan, this is just league uh, matches. We have played them quite a bit in the Coppa Italia. And we will be we've... again. And we'll be, uh, we'll be again. Not, Inter, not a spoiler played... on Cittadella. Inter, we haven't played in the Coppa Italia in the last 30 years. Milan, oh, wow. we've played, played loads. Weird. And we've played Juve a couple of times. Yeah, so Juve, Milan, Inter, that's, that is something like 110 matches. We have won league matches eight. Wow. So against the big three, effectively, Torino, over the last 30 years, have something like a 6% chance of victory. And I think... And, and it's atrocious. And ultimately, when you, when you listen to that, and that would be evidence you'd think of, of Cairo's reign and, and how bad it's been, but that predates... It pre- 15, it's been 15, it's been yeah. since yeah it's been the rock sort of a good 10 years of that is um is for pre-Cairo as well so it it does just show that the the what what 30 years you, of hurt Rob never stopped uh, me well, <laughs> but, 
don't, don't, don't make me make another song. Um, but it just, it just, just, it makes you go to show that I think to get Torino where we would like them to be isn't going to be a small process. It's not, a, it's not a matter of a couple of players. It's a whole sort of uh, shift in mentality and mindset. And I think maybe that's what Juric was was sort of suggesting with his comments that there is just this, this there is this mentality. I think where Cairo may have the uh, he's happy for two. As long as Torino don't get relegated, he's sort of relatively happy. But the fans are expecting every season to be sort of in the top ten, approaching the European places. And I don't think after a couple of relegation scares and a couple of tastes of European campaigns, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to ask for from a from a fan fan base who are one of the biggest sides nationally supported in in Italy. They've got fans all over the country. Success, success. In terms of success, they've won uh, eight Scudetti, and oh, you sound like a Juventino. You counting the one that we got revoked, are you? It's, uh, I've, I've it, seen the, I've seen the, I've seen the Everton. You're you a Juventus accountant, it, are you? It's not very. It's it's a it's a bit dodgy the uh, the one that's been taken away. But I'll take that. I'll take that one. Well, Ky- Cairo's promised. He's also promised to win us that Scudetto back, and I'm sure he would claim. He promised it as that. A, he promised that yeah. I think when I started go, when I went to my first game, Peter. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that was going to come any anytime soon. But, but the, the, we are. This isn't like, and I think football fans are always or can be very, very fickle and very sort of they expect that their team is the best. But I'm and no, no offense to any sort of smaller sides, but Sassuolo fans, if there are any about out there, they. they they don't really have the history and they don't really have the sort of um, fan base to sort of have these expectations. And the fact that they are sort of punching them with their weight and, and if we're not going on too much on to Udinese, a similar sort of side, they've, a, they've got a small fan base, a very sort of provincial side, and they have had habits of sort of punching them with their weight in, in, in previous seasons. But I just think Torino are at risk of just sort of becoming one of just the other sides in Serie A rather than sort of looking at the Atalantas who've, who've kicked on, Fiorentinas who've kicked on, Lazio's who've kicked on. And it, I, I, my, my, my fear is in sort of five, ten years' time, we are going to just be thought of as like a, a Genoa and a Samp, who again, similar to Torino, should be sides who are, have got every, all the infrastructure in place to be one of the biggest sides in Italy. Yes, they might they might not have the finances of an Inter or a Milan or a Juve, but if they look after their finances correctly and make smart sporting decisions, which is probably where Torino have failed in in the past, there is no reason why they shouldn't be a side who are always in the top ten and always competing for Europe. But Torino as a project for the last thirty years have been a sporting failure, and we mentioned making memories earlier. I mean. If if you're not winning, you're winning six percent of your matches against the big three, which is traditionally where the feel good factor is going to come from. You know, beating the other sides in the league is not generally going to have the same kudos because those sides aren't winning anything. Yeah. Um, we've had a couple of good nights in Europe, but for thirty years, I mean, it's Torino fans have been massively shortchanged, and it's. And I was also thinking. I'm completely against the Super League and the whole notion of it, but I was thinking if Serie A lost those three teams, then at least for a Torino fan, it 
would be would be a lot more interesting because you'd have different title winners. Yeah, but then that and then our six yeah. our six percent would then become Roma, Napoli, and Lazio. Yeah, yeah in, inevitably. But it's just I'm just tired of it. I, I really am, really am kind of I, I tired think, of our record of it in in uh, those matches. And and as you said, yeah, big club, big history, but we're not kind of we we are in danger of just of becoming just another club in 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 some senses and you know pe- pe- anyone under 30 has not seen Torino don't do anything we'll we'll have to move on um shortly but uh, just going back to what i mentioned at the start with Juric's comments after the game and they in a way they sort of uh Steven Gerrard again people may may be aware has now just been sacked as Aston Villa manager made similar comments ahead of the Chelsea game last week where he sort of said that Chelsea should be coming here to Villa Park and, and wiping the floor with us and it's just these sort of comments that made by managers just aren't helping and it just makes me think the the Celtic manager Ange Postacogli was um, interviewed ahead of their first Champions League game against Real Madrid and sort of asked like he, he sort of has put in place a um, sort of passing style of attractive football and sort of asked with Real Madrid European champions come in are you going to change your style of play it was just like he, he was sort of almost reacted sort of shocked and couldn't believe that you were asking the question because he, he was sort of suggesting that he's got a style of play this is how they play no matter who the opposition is they get playing the same way they might get beaten but people come to the stadium to sort of as a release, as a way to sort of forget about things. And yet the likelihood is that they would go and go on to lose to Real Madrid playing in that way. But for 90 minutes, would they rather just sit behind sit not 10 men behind the ball and just try and defend and hold on to maybe a one 0 defeat or go out and play and, and express themselves and give people those moments, like say those memories. And Celtic did go on to lose. But the idea but for four to five minutes they absolutely battered Real Madrid. And that's the sort of thing, that's the sort of mindset that I would like to see in the Torino side. Actually, this is a derby. Go out there. They're, they're absolutely um, uh, devoid of confidence. Go against that. Go out there. 45 minutes. Just give it everything. And if, if they've shown that sort of passion and that sort of intensity, there's a very good chance, I think, Juve would have crumbled. We could have been 2 3 nil up. And yes, we might have um, sort of expended a little bit too much energy in the opening stages and... Juve could have come back into it, but it's just, just the, just imagine how the, the stadium would have been rocking if we'd have scored twice in fifteen minutes, and it's just, it's the, the, there just seems to be too much thought at the moment about what Torino can't do and what they, and because of the limitations, okay, we didn't get, we didn't get striker, we, our goalkeeper's not very good, but look at like some sometimes you just want moments and you I think sort of we're on the same page a little bit in terms of the memories it's just like there is just something lacking when we meet the big sides it's almost like oh well it's a free hit today like it's almost like we treat them like a cup tie it's like oh well it'd be good if we get three points here but we're not really expecting it and I just think especially in the derby that's that's sort of our attitude rather than treating it as if like okay this is a must-win game if you don't win this game like you, you'll you're going to regret it for the rest of your careers. Yeah, and, that, and that's why I've no, made no progress in the Coppa Italia because, I mean, it's a stupid competition with a flawed formula which favours the, the biggest four or five sides in Europe. Um, and it, year on year, it just kind of reinforces the position of those teams. But the Coppa Italia, we're going to... Obviously, we beat Cittadella in the week. We're going to play Milan and 
we're going to have our customary defeat to Milan or, or, or Juve in the Coppa Italia and go out. But I, I guess it's, I guess we may as well move on to Cittadella. Bit of a surprise was that, like, probably a good surprise in the way that Juric went with a pretty strong team because we want to do well in this competition. And I think he partly did that because the team really needs a result and the players need a, uh, need a shot of confidence. Um, it's a 4-0 win. Didn't, I didn't think it was particularly convincing um, until kind of later in the game. And, um, but maybe it's a springboard for something. Yeah, I think I, I, I echo his thoughts. It was, I was surprised that they played such a strong side, um, but I can understand the reasons why Juric did. I think the the fans probably and the fans and the players probably just needed a bit of feel good factor, given our poor poor league form. Um, I thought Chitadella had chances, and especially at one 0 before before the second goal, I think I think you texted me and said that we we need we need a second goal here because if if they equalise, we could be in trouble. Um, I was never particularly worried I never felt that if, if they had scored that we wouldn't be able to sort of up, up the level a little bit um, a nice goal from Rodonjic, uh, outskirt. I think we might have mentioned on a previous part about how few outside the area goals that Torino managed to score but Rodonjic managing to sort of increase that tally um, double P Pietro Pellegri scoring I thought Lukic's goal might have been the worst goal we'd seen this season but Pellegrini's. No, I think Lucas is worse, but yeah. Yeah, the assist after defender, and then uh, and actually, I thought he finished it very well. Um, and I thought up into that point he was pretty bad. Um, I thought he sort of didn't look out like sort of looked like maybe Serie B could have been his level, and might be a bit harsh on him. I think it's very difficult to sort of describe what what Pellegrini could be, just because he's played so few senior games that. Uh, I, I think if he could stay fit and get a bit of consistency in his play, he could be it could be a useful player. But I don't think he's he's going to sort of fulfil the potential that there was when he was sort of breaking through at Genoa. Um, nice, nice goal, nice goal from my my Dutch friend uh, Pierre Shears. Maybe he should have been uh, the player we put in the fast nine role against Juve. But I think if you'd played any of our centre backs in the false nine role, it would have done a better better job. And the Zima goal to finish it off, I was quite happy because it did win me a little bit of money, but um, I thought it was own goal. <laughs> Everyone celebrated like you know, no one reacted to it. Yeah, it, I thought it was even They had the reaction of an own goal, but I couldn't, I couldn't decipher in the footage. It didn't, it either looked like Zima or, or Zima headed it onto Vlasic or yeah. I couldn't see it as an own goal, but they didn't really react with any great... Yeah, if the nice people, if the people at William Hill are listening to this, it definitely was a Zima goal. Don't take my money away from me, please. Um, I mean, on that, I thought Z, I thought, yeah, this team is at the moment is lacking a lot of creativity, but actually Zima and Skur's ability to bring the ball out of defence, yeah, um, was was one of the highlights, and maybe it's something we'll start seeing a bit more of because I think defensively we've been a bit. um, I mean, Rodriguez is quite reliant on on his passing rather than carrying the ball. Uh, Gigi car- carries the ball, but not in the, not in the quite same way and, 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 even, and Bongiorno doesn't. So I, I feel like Gigi yeah. was with the ball as if it might explode at any moment. He, he, yeah, looked, com- he, he looks constantly he did, terrified. Yeah, he, he brings it up the pitch, but uh, yeah, it's it, you don't ever feel like he's in kind of in control of the situation. Um I thought it would have been a better game had it been at Cittadella, which goes on to the point where if the Coppa Italia was an open draw, um, 
and it was more of those matches where, where the bigger club goes to, to to the smaller club. But again, this format of this competition, we've said it before, it's what it winds me up. It's the big three or a couple of the Roman clubs, sometimes Napoli over the last 20 years have won it. And half the time the Roman clubs are playing. Half the time the teams who won, wins it has never played in a away game in the whole competition. So um, the other thing struck me is just how many players Torino have. Uh, oh. when, when he was making the sub as well, it was just, uh, I wouldn't say players had forgotten about it. Adopo certainly is is someone who I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. And there's a bit of controversy what um, Juric said about bringing him on over Ilkan. Uh, Garbit uh, came on, made his debut, could have scored. Um, and then there was, yeah, you obviously had the likes of Caramo, Sec. Um, it was kind of, a, yeah, it makes you realise there's a kind of a lot of players in that squad. And the other thing I'd say is half of them, the subs seem to slip. They seem to not have the right studs on. So there was a lot of slipping around when they came on as well. Uh, I, yeah, I agree with the the point about the the big squad that Torino have. And I think a lot of players, I, I think this is almost came out of the, the five subs and the fact that you've got the long bench as well in, in Serie A. So you can sort of name sort of, I think is it is it twelve substitutes you're allowed to name and and then obviously you can use five subs within the game, which you would think this would enable teams to play more young players, but basically what that doesn't really happen. They just stockpile experienced pros. I know Garbit and I know uh, Adopo are, are younger lads, but that I think the idea behind it or the theory behind it would be that you would sort of use especially a cup game, midweek cup game you could then bring some of your Primavera players uh, along and and then they would get the opportunities to come off the bench rather than these players who are sort of at 20, 21, they need to be playing regular first-team football. Um, and I thought I thought Garbett looked looks quite bright. It was good to know that he actually exists because you certainly see his name on the on the bench and just gets absolutely nowhere near to the first team. Um, but yeah, and I felt um, Juric's comments on Ilkham were... Maybe a little bit harsh. Um, I think it's not going to do much for. Bear in mind that he started a game this season, um, so I don't. It's a, class, it's a classic Italian football thing. I mean, they they gave he's had what a couple of appearances. He started one game. He did reasonably well. We won the match. First mistake. Won't see him for months. Yeah, and it's and, just there. Uh, and that we just, don't know what's happening in training and things like that as well. But and, yeah, and so. again, and it's you. You've got to. He's an 18-year-old who's not he hadn't played too many games for Besiktas and he's come to a new country, a new sort of culture, a new style of football. Um, but I just don't think comments like that are, are particularly helpful. I do sort of understand it, and I suppose when the question's asked, he's got to be honest. And um, especially if if Adopo's playing better in training and and physically is sort of a bit more mature and maybe a bit more ready for um, sort of senior football, then I can sort of understand it, but. It just seems. It seems that this squad, if if money was such a at such a premium, then why would we invest? So I think I think it'll come with four or five million euro. Why why spend that on a player who you don't think is ready to play? Either either loan him back to Besiktas or another Turkish side, and then try and get a discount on the on the fee, or use that five million to try and spe- to try and put towards a striker in an area that we did need. Um, I just but, not for the first time. There's a few flawed processes. No, but the funny thing I'd say, and I was thinking about this, 
I don't think Van Yatti's done too bad a job of his incoming transfers over the last two years. I mean, sometimes when you th- think about it, Cole Schurz and Zima look like good young centre-halves. Yeah. Ilkan, we don't know about. Richie is a cracking signing. Um, some of the fullbacks are, are fairly steady. Um, and then we've brought in these kind of Traquatista quality players who may, who may not or may or may not be able to afford, but have raised the kind of technical quality of the side. And the, the two, the, the couple that I had last season and the three we have this season, I think the, the big, always the biggest issue is, is, is not going that extra 20% and adding the, adding that layer of quality on, but I actually think, you know, so, some of his work has probably been better than sometimes it's, it's, it's perceived because the criticism he's had from the coach and probably um, the lack of, maybe license to go that bit extra from from the from maybe from from the president so just yeah just a thought just yeah i think i think that's a i think that's a fair point i did the only thing i'd say about the um striking options uh, or the, sort of the attacking options would be the the fact maybe this formula is, is finally starting to to not really work where you're signing these players on loan who sort of know that if they do really well they're probably going to get a move to a side who isn't Torino because they can't afford them. And if they don't do very well, then Torino aren't going to spend what little money they have on redeeming them on loan. So when it comes to sort of the big games, do they really care as much as... That was the point I was sort of making about Moranchuk. It, it didn't seem like if that was maybe a, a, a Torino player who's on a permanent contract and is going to be there, sort of expect to see be there next season or the year after, maybe of try not not that not that I don't think he tried to score but maybe be a little bit more gutted with the miss or maybe try to, to do something a little bit more than what he did with the attempt so I just think maybe this sort of idea of okay we'll just we'll, we'll we've got a quite a good spine defense uh wing back to midfield um and then up front we'll just try and sort of get some good players on loan but then if they really got the sort of mentality and the attitude of um wanting to do like as well for Torino, we saw we've seen it with Brecolo, and uh, I think we, I think if if Lasic and and Moranchuk do well, I think we'll probably see the the maybe get a. Well, they're just yeah, the, their contractual situation means they're not invested in the same way as a permanently contracted player is, no. and and so, and if it works out for them, that can change. But I guess we're running out of time a bit. But Udine, Udinese are doing very well. They're in form. They're flying high. Um, they're a club that we thought could take a break from Serie A when we did our ideal Serie A last season. They're getting their they're getting their revenge so back. They're us. getting their they're getting their revenge on that. But yeah, what do you hope? What do you hope to see this weekend that we've not seen for a while, apart from three points? But I would just hope to see. I think maybe just a professional away performance, like like I was saying, just Udinese given their good form we'll probably come into it with good confidence probably try and dominate the ball and whether that can help Torino where they can play on the counter if we can just maybe even keep it tight for um sort of 40 50 60 minutes it's, I don't think again, people think that hate Udinese and their fans and stuff but it's not sort of it's not a it's not an atmosphere which is likely to sort of get riled up I don't think it, I don't think the fans are going to turn on the on the home side if they're not 2-0 up inside half an hour but I think the longer it goes on, maybe the, the the nervier they'll get, and and then I think on the counter attack we've got the ability with players to score. And I think, unfortunately, reality with with our struggles in front of goal is counter attack does seem to be one of the main options that we're going to score this season. 
Um, I, don't, I still think we're maybe missing a little bit of, of something in that, in that sort of final third in terms of creativity. Um, Singo, uh, for, again, Juric's comments, he didn't seem too pleased with his recent performances and especially in the Coppa Italia. Um, so I'd expect to see Aina and Lazaro probably. Um, so yeah, I, I'd like to think just a, just a nice a professional performance no stupid mistakes at the back, and maybe just sort of hit it, hit him on the counter attack. I think if Udinese were Torino going into form, this would be a classic game to, that Torino would lose flying high against a team but that with they've, not much they've confidence. Lost, on, they've lost in the cup. They've lost in the copper, So um, yeah, I maybe mean, that was that. Maybe that was their Torino moment. Yeah, I'm not sure, but they're. Um, it's sort of a lunchtime early kickoff on Sunday, which sometimes it does do think affects the pace of the game. I think I agree. I mean, the other thing, Torino have only beaten sides this season who were in Serie B or below last season. So yeah. Palermo, Cittadella, Lecce, Monza, Cremonese, we're not beating a side. They're suggesting that we'd be a really good Serie B side. We'd be an outstanding Serie <laughs> B side, um, which we don't, don't want to be in the near future. But um, yeah, I think I, I struggle at the moment to see any kind of cohesion or continuity, any kind of leadership. Um, if if the game's kind of not going our way, I think we do need a jolt. And the other thing, I think we need to get to the Qatar break, uh, uh, you know, it's to amass, get up to 20 points as much as possible to kind of regroup and try and kick on in the second half of the season, not be drawn into a pretty bleak winter. Um, so I think we, we obviously need a result in Udine. I don't know how confident I am about us getting it. Um, I feel a bit stupid after predicting the win last week. So I'm, I've no idea how it might go, but I think it might be a 3-2 to Udinese. I think I'm going to go for us to score a few goals again. But um, I I have to wait for the point where I think this Torino team's kind of turned the corner. And um, yeah, I've not seen enough evidence and I just, I'm kind of forgetting the Cittadella game and just have it, feeling I had last week as well so not I'm not particularly confident and Udinese clearly a good team at the moment I will probably probably a curse actually if I predict a Torino win given my terrible prediction record but I do need to do something to try and uh, improve my uh, position in the in the rankings so I'm going to go optimistic and a 1-0 Torino win okay um well, after Udinese, we've got Milan. I think we're. I don't think there'll be a pod next week because uh, of our work commitments. But we'll follow up from uh, Udinese and Milan. See if we can improve on that three wins in thirty-seven. Um, and uh, then there's a bit of a tour de force, isn't there? Bologna, Samp, and Roma before we uh, go to the World Cup. Not us, but uh, some Torino players, including Vanya. Um, but yeah, Forza Toro. Um, and yeah, keep the faith, everybody. Forza Toro. <laughs>